Well, the game of the week in the Pac-12 non-conference slate this week is Florida and Utah, and it's fight night in Salt Lake City. So, who wins? You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day in your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and mostly team-free and beloved Conference of Champions, I think. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. We have Brandon Olson of Locked On Gators. He is down below because the Pac-12 is, of course, superior. JT Witzersill of Locked On Utes is over here on the upper portion of your screen. Guys, it was such a fun game a year ago. I'm glad that your two schools have decided to run it back. And me, without a particular dog in in the fight, I am but a, a, a neutral arbiter of truth here and will be for the next 25 to, to 30 minutes. Brandon's not buying it, but maybe he will by, by the end of the show. JT, I, I, I want to start with you. Who wins on Thursday night? I do genuinely believe it's going to be Utah. And I'll even say, I think it's regardless of who starts at quarterback, as much as I know that'll draw some ire from Brandon overall. I still, at the moment right now, <laughs> at the moment right now, I think Cam Rising is going to play. At the time we were recording this on Tuesday, August 29th. I think Cam, look, he obviously he's done everything in his power to try to get back to this. We've seen a lot of videos of him throwing. We've seen videos of him diving off the diving board at various points in the offseason. So, it, look, it's still up in the air. He definitely might not play. I believe he's going to play. But even if he doesn't, I still believe Utah can win this game because I do believe Utah is going to have success running the ball on Florida. Now, they're not going to run for over 300 yards on the Gators. I don't believe that. I think the Gators have some talent, particularly on their defensive line. But I do think this Utah offensive line has some talent, too. And I think they'll be able to establish the run, get some push up to the second level, spring Jaquindon Jackson, spring Makai Bernard for some big plays. And especially if Cam Rising is in there, it's going to unlock some big plays for this offense, too. I think Brant Keithy could have a big debut now that he's coming back for this team after getting injured a year ago. I think, uh, excuse me, Devon Vele is going to make a couple plays, although he's got a tough battle with some of those Florida DBs on the outside, too. But especially defensively, I think this Utah defense is in for a really good day day against a Florida offense with Graham Mertz and an offensive line that's got to come together on the road. I do like Utah in this matchup. Brandon Olson of uh, Lockdown Gators, your first appearance here on the show, and you have decided to go full poor man's maverick from Top Gun. Um, are your Gators going to get it done and, and pull what I would consider to be an upset for a second year in a row? I think so. You know, Utah, Mitah, Himta, Herta, don't matter. Gators winning. I don't care who it is. I, I just think that the Florida Gators got like if Cam Rising plays, then obviously like Utah's more likely to win. I still think Florida does because the big thing with Cam Rising last year was his against Florida specifically was his mobility, him making plays with his legs. He had over 70 rushing yards on scrambles. He picked up four first downs with his legs. Even if he does play. He's not doing that. And I know that there's like Gators Twitter likes to be like, what What if Kyle Whittingham is just gaslighting all of us and Cam Rising's actually perfectly fine? 
you can say that all you want. Dude ain't coming seven and a half months after a torn ACL and moving like nothing. So for me, I, I think it comes down to quarterback. If it is Bryson Barnes, I've mentioned this a thousand times. He's got 200 snaps played in his career. 109 of them are him handing the football off. So as much as Utah fans want to be in my comments, like he is experienced. He played in 10 games. You're wrong, first of all, because we use logic here, and that's not how that works. I am actually curious, and, and I, I do mean this as an actual question, not even talking trash. What is it about Jaquinda Jackson specifically that makes everybody gush over him? Because he has four games with 10 or more carries, Three of them came against bottom 12 rushing defenses in the entire country. So I'm just genuinely curious, like not even saying that he's not good. I do think think he's very good. I just mean, why is it that Utah fans are like, he's the second coming of Barry Sanders times Jim Brown? Like, what is this? Well, first of all, I'm not, I am not saying, I have never once said that personally. I know some Utah fans get fired up about him. Um, Just with Jaquindon. The guy to be show the special flashes that he showed, in my opinion, having not even played running back before. Yes, was he a quarterback who sometimes runs the ball, but running it between the tackles is extremely different. I think when you just look at the flashes he showed, the explosiveness, the quickness, and even his growth as a passer, we saw or pass catching back, we saw a little bit in the spring game. I just believe his second year more comfortable in position, he'll be more involved in the passing game. Just with the signs he showed, I really think he's in for a huge season. He broke a lot of tackles last season. You, I think you make a really good point. It was against lesser rushing defenses. But I think when you factor in the fact that he will be much more comfortable playing the running back position is why I think he's in for just what is going to be an exceptional season. And Brand's far from the only one doubting Jaquindon. He wasn't even available to vote for for all Pac-12, like first, second, or honorable mention as a running back. So I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. But when you look at the flashes he showed late in the season, that's why a lot of Utah fans, and myself included, are very high. Him. I've said this before. This brand, this will make you really fall out of your seat. I think by the end of the season, Jaquindon Jackson will be a top five running back in college football. Hmm. JT coming coming with the heat. They got that good stuff over in the NFL. <laughs> I, I've I'm, I've got a question for you, Brandon. Graham Mertz is about as inspiring of a quarterback to me as Jeb Bush is as a presidential candidate. He's asking for people to clap. So why is he able to go? into Rice-Eccles Stadium and stop a winning streak that dates back to 2018 when fans are actually in the stands in Salt Lake City. I think a lot of it comes down to not even Graham Mertz. I've said it before, and even I've said, if you can get, you know, 20 pass attempts and complete 12 of those with no picks for Graham Mertz, that's like, I'm, I'm cool with it. I don't care about your average depth of target. I just need you to not screw it up. JT earlier mentioned, you know, Utah's defense is going to have a great game. Well, guess what? Florida still has two guys in the backfield that go by the name of Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, little TNT over there. Utah's defense did not have a good game against them last time. I will say credit to Utah. Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne each had one fumble last year. Both of them came against Utah. Granted, Trevor Etienne caught his own before it hit the ground. But still, that, that, so great job knocking the ball out. But they both had great games against Utah. The numbers... Uh, It was 17 carries, eight yards per carry, one touchdown, 97 yards after contact combined from them two. That's with Trevor Etienne only getting five carries because Naquan Wright just sucked the life out of the offense for a little bit there at the start of the year. So, yeah, Graham Mertz, not super dope. I'm not going to pretend that he is. I don't need him to be. I've said as long as Graham Mertz can show up and not screw the offense over, he can get the job done. Because don't forget, he played at Wisconsin, which – and I've said this every single time we talk about it, 
1905 offense before the forward pass was legal. It was that bad. Everybody involved in building that offense belongs in prison for the rest of their lives for what they've done to so many players that go there. He's going to be in a more modern offense, more play action. Wisconsin ran the ball 60-something percent of the time and went play action 18% of their total plays. That is disgusting, and that is the main reason they belong in prison. So he's going to have that opened up a little bit, better playmakers than he's ever had. I know what Graham Mertz is. He's going to be better than Wisconsin. I don't think he's going to be great. And I don't know, or not even know, don't know. I don't think that he can go out and carry an offense to a victory. I'm not asking him to do that. I'm asking the running game to do their job, defensively their job. Graham, just don't screw it up. I have a similarly snarky question for, for JT, and I have one for all of you as well. Why haven't you checked out game time yet? Because if you want to go to this Utah-Florida game, last-minute tickets just might be available on game time because that's a place where you can get last-minute deals on sports, comedy, theater, everything that you need. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds it is super super easy buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time makes it easy download the game time app create an account use code locked on college for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on college for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Brandon, you're new here, but that's what we call the second segment sip. And if you don't take those during the day, it's about as high quality of a show as Wisconsin's offense that you were that you were describing. So that's 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 why we have to we have to allow for that on every show. So I'm going to continue my role as agitator in chief here on on today's show. So JT, when I look at the weapons that Cam Rising has outside mm-hmm. of Brant Keithy, who's probably the best all around tight end in the conference, it is, shall we say, uninspiring. You don't have all conference caliber players there. Devon Vele is a big body who. From what I have seen, it kind of comes and goes. I like Money Parks in spurts. Don't know if he's a guy you rely on all the time. Why are Utah's weapons going to be good enough to score points on this Florida defense? Well, I mean, first of all, you call mine uninspiring. I think that's exactly what the Gators are as well. I know they're higher recruits and all this stuff, but my gosh, can they play a game of college football first and we see if they pan out? I've seen enough four- and five-star recruits bust before. Well, I want to see guys get on the field and prove to me that they're going to live up to the hype before they actually do, especially on the road in game one. That's that's a big theme to me in general of why I think Utah can especially win this game for Florida. 
being at home and it's week one with all these new pieces for the Gators. We'll dive into that in a little bit though. But Vele for also Vele had more receiving yards than Persall last year. I think Ricky Persall is a good receiver, but Vele had more receiving yards than than him last year. So that also I think deserves to be brought up. So I think Vele does a very good job out there. I thought Money Parks with the flash she showed towards the end of the season overall, especially from I shouldn't even say the end. The US the first USC game on, I thought he really unlocked another level. I expect him to have a strong start. And then after that, what's nice is you obviously have Brant Keith to be your number one receiver. So then when you get from the other guys between him and Vele, I count as extra. So I do think one of a Micah Pittman, an Emery Simmons, a Mikey Matthews, all all guys who are either transfers are going to be or a freshman playing in his first ever collegiate game. I think one of those guys will make some sort of an impact because Utah is mainly relying on two to three guys. If it's just let's include Thomas Yasmin. I mean, has had a bunch of huge plays for this team last year, albeit against some bad passing teams, but still a guy who's capable of moving the chains in general. So I, I think when you look at the outside, I think there's some viable pass catching options. I think this will be the best Cam Rising supporting cast overall. I don't think we'll see a Dalton Kincaid type season, but I think Vele will be better this year. I think Parks will be better. And I think overall, this will be a stronger supporting cast on the outside. And the one-two punch of Jaquindon Jackson and Makai Bernard is going to be very potent too. And I think especially at home where this offense was much better than they were on the road last year too. Brandon, your team was mentioned there by rules of the debate. You have 30 <laughs> seconds to respond. Only 30. Yeah, um, Devon Vele did have more receiving yards than Ricky Pearsall. He had 26 more receiving yards, had about 40 more targets to do that, had 21 more catches to do that. Ricky Pearsall is what we call, I know you guys don't understand what this is in Utah because you're Utah, but we have a dynamic playmaker in Ricky Pearsall. That's what he is. I'm not going to sit here and care about, I know the Florida Gators fans get very upset when you go, oh, I've seen enough four or five-star receivers bust. I play the prove-it game here. So I, I don't care about that. Yeah, show up and prove me wrong. I have my take on those players. I think they're going to be good. I'm not going to say they're going to be good week one because I understand yes. how things work and I'm not an idiot, so I get that. But I am going to say Ricky Pearsall, come on, significantly better than Devon Vele. Brent Keithy is, in fact, the best overall tight end in the conference. He's Top five tight end in the country, probably. He is incredibly talented. We're going to see how he holds up when he's getting hit by players that that don't like him in this game. But for me, I, yeah, I, I think Ricky Pearsall is way better than Devon Vele. And that that's the part that I'll respond to, Spencer. I, I know that's how the questions are supposed to be. Yes, so yes, uh, yes, of I course. I over my time a little bit. Yes. Well, well, you know what? The, the buzzer may have gone off 20 seconds ago, but I'm just a, a lenient and kind host like for us all to, to remember that. But I have another question for you, Brandon. The last time your Florida Gators went to something that we call the um, Western half of the United <laughs> States and played a Pac-12 team, both teams actually ended the game with a score that included the number three. Now, the difference is that there were no other numbers attached to Florida's score, and there was a zero on the other side of the three for Oregon State's score. Why is this going to be different? Uh, first off, Florida did have a zero in theirs. It was just before the three. So let's not be rude here. <laughs> um, but also, that was just I, – I, I'm not going to take anything away from Oregon State. I said going into the game, they're, they were a great team last season. Spencer, we even talked about that, actually. I believe we did. We did. Before. Yeah, we did. They were a great team. But, look, this is a different team from that game, obviously. Jack Miller the third, nothing but underwhelming since he's gotten to Gainesville. Entire defense 
there's what two returning starters from that game that are going to be starting for the Florida Gators this year. Offensive lines, obviously very different. We talk about roster turnover. Yeah, it, it was different last time we played against a Pac-12 team. We did lose. We still are the reigning Pac-12 champions because we beat Utah. So, so we're taking that. Don't worry about that one. Does that mean that my Oregon Ducks are the reigning Pac-12 champs? That's neat. <laughs> That's so, awesome. So, yeah, Florida, it was a rough game in the Las Vegas Bowl. I hate when people keep bringing up the Las Vegas Bowl, though, when talking about this game, mostly because, one, completely different team that you're seeing from Florida. It's not oh, all our guys left, let's get the new guys reps. But two, there is a direct comparison you can make between Florida and Utah from last year. It's called Florida beating Utah last year. You don't need the Las Vegas Bowl of a bunch of irrelevant players. We have their head-to-head. Mm, can, quite, I, can I jump in, please? That's quite the response there. Yeah, yeah, JT, go ahead. Your team was mentioned, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah exactly. Thank you. You're entitled yeah. to 30 seconds. To me, it's completely different because it's we're talking about Graham Mertz versus Anthony Richardson. Grant, Anthony Richardson last year, the plays and the things he made. I, you talked about Etienne and Johnson, who I really like as players. I think they're really good. But Richardson was the reason you guys did win that game last year, in my opinion. When you look at the big plays he made, that ability to shake off Utah defenders that broke into the backfield, to break off big runs. Graham Mertz isn't going to be able to do that, and I don't expect this offensive line to play as well in their first game this year as they did last year. And I know they've gotten some talented transfers coming in, but on the road, loud environment, in the altitude, I think communication is a big thing in general. And this Utah defensive line is much better than they were last year. So that's the one thing for me where, I yes, you, there's a lot you can't – I won't go a lot. There are things you can draw on from last year, but you guys, as you've alluded to as well on your own show, your offense is going to be very different because of how different your quarterback is going to be. And I am very curious to see how they stand up in their first game in on the road against what should be a very tough defense considering they only allowed 16 points per game to teams at home last year. And the last four years in general, only one team has scored over 30 points against them at home. And that was the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb Williams. Mm, that was pretty that was strong. That was strong from my Pac-12 brethren there in, uh, in, in Salt Lake City. I, I want to move to one thing specifically from, from each of you, and Brandon, we'll, we'll start with you. The biggest key for Florida to win the game, the one, the one thing, don't parlay it into two things, not one and a half things, the one thing that you say, Florida has to do this, or this has to happen, or they will not win the football game. What is it? I can't parlay it into three things. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't that No. Great. Rules are rules. Without rules, we descend into anarchy. That's fair. I'm, I kind of like anarchy. Um, I will say, I think, I think the one thing that Florida has to do to really win this one is, is just find success running the football. Because I will say, I think that does parlay into other success. But I think running the football there, it, it sets everything up. I've said I don't think Graham Mertz can come out and throw the football consistently and beat, this, and beat a team like Utah. So you need to be able to run the football there, kill the clock, especially with the new first down clock keeps rolling which stinks by the way why are we shortening college football i I don't make the rules i just i just criticize we got a bunch of people who don't understand anything about college football running college football and it's starting (laughs) to really irritate me anyway yeah i i I get it but i I think running the football there that's what you do you you keep the ball out of utah's hands because look i I, i'll talk about utah's qb situation all day they don't scare me right now because cam rising obviously way way better than bryson barnes and i think he could do a lot still with his arm but things change when you start getting hit back there. So there's that, but I think keeping the ball out of their hands is a good point and just running the clock going there. 
we could talk about, you know, Florida's offensive line, I think, is going to be worse than they were last year. I think last year they had a fantastic offensive line. I still think they're going to be good running, like run blocking. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Utah's line might be better defensively. They, they might have improved from last year. But last year against the Utah Utes, Florida had 285 rushing yards. 165 of them came after contact. So l- make some plays with your defense and then talk about it. Because I keep I kept hearing, and I still hear, Florida's defense is so bad. Utah's defense is so good. Florida's horrible defense, one of the worst defenses I've ever seen in my life as a Florida Gators fan, held Utah to their fourth lowest points total of the entire season. So, ooh, terrifying there. Mm. There's uh, you asked for mm. one. You asked for one key, Brandon. I'll get into that in a second. I will, uh, or excuse me, um, Spencer. Brandon got me, all twi- Brandon got me all twisted. There's like 30 different Shots things. I, I want to go off on that with what he said. I will say the one thing. I think you're disrespecting Cam Rising a little bit by talking about yes against Florida. He was a little. He was more lethal with his legs than his arm in that particular game. I mean, we're talking about a guy who went toe to toe at home against Caleb Williams last year. Dalton Kincaid had an unreal game, but Cam Rising consistently put him in a position to succeed. This is a guy who's beaten the top three Oregon team at home back in 21. He has consistently been really good at home throwing the ball and in key moments too. Yes, he came up short against the Gators last year, but I do believe if he's healthy in there, he is more than capable of making a lot of winning plays in this game with his arm. Spencer, to your one point, one key that Utah needs to do, I, I, I won't say stop the run, but I think they need to contain the Gators rushing attack. I, I agree with some of the things that Brandon has mentioned, including that I think Florida will have some success running the ball but they cannot rush for over 200 if they rush for over 250 yards in this game i think utah will lose this game i think utah's yeah if they keep it churned like uh zeke um i do think that utah's front seven is much improved this year going than going last year all the key players are back they improved over the course of the season and leovani demuni the transfer addition going into this first game has played the inside linebacker position at a much higher level than mahmoud diabate did when coming over in his first game Utah plus this Utah team's at home it was a very uncharacteristic they missed 29 tackles that's the most I've ever seen a miss that was an uncharacteristic Utah defensive performance I give a lot of credit to Florida's backs for that but I do not think they're going to miss over 15 tackles in this game I think that's been a big emphasis for them on camp I expect them to clean it up but overall they need to be able to contain the Gators rushing attack and I think Utah will win this game let's wrap with this and Brandon we'll start with you since you always save the best for last and that'd be you know the Pac-12 of course um, a win for Florida on Thursday night over Utah for a second year in a row would mean what for the program and Billy Napier specifically? Uh, it'll be great to be the reigning and defending Pac-12 fans <laughs> once again. You saved the best for last, which is why the Pac-12 is the first to go of all the conferences. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If that's how we're doing this, that's how we're doing this. I, I think it, it would go a long way because – if Florida beats Utah again, I don't care about any of the like like the the backlash that you can get of, oh, you beat Cam Rising because he threw that pick in the fourth quarter or in the end zone, or you should have lost that game. You beat Utah because Cam Rising had his torn ACL. You get rid of those because I don't care. If you beat a team twice, you could say flukes all you want, but people can get rid of the, the fluke moniker there with Billy Napier and, and not showing up because last year, Florida lost all their rivals. They beat Utah, lost all their rivals, and it was rough after that. But I think it just adds further validity to what Billy Napier is building at this program because everybody in the Florida Gators program, and by in the program, I mean actually 
on campus. I don't just mean all the Florida Gators fans where we go, we're part of it too. I mean, actually in the program, no, this is a rebuild with the Florida Gators. This is Swamp Kings came out last week, two weeks ago. This is trying to get back to that because we know that we're not anywhere close to what they were there. So winning this game adds validity to Billy Napier, to this to this Florida Gators program, going west to Utah and, and winning a game there. In look, Rice Cycle Stadium is a great well atmosphere, <laughs> but congratulations, Rice Cycle Stadium at maximum capacity would be the second highest average attendance in the SEC. Congrats, you beat Vanderbilt there, and they have half an end zone right now. So so great job there. But I, I think that it adds the validity to Billy Napier and this program that would just answer the questions of 24-7 and on three when they want to say stupid things like, is Billy Napier on the hot seat? Which is a completely different discussion. But I, I think you you put an end to those completely. And, and it just further solidifies this program as an up-and-coming program once again. JT, for Utah, same question. What does a win mean for the Utes? I think it's the next step for them nationally being recognized as a top 15 current football program in college football in general. I feel like a lot of analysts and people are very respectful to the Utah brand and understand like what this team has accomplished when you look on paper and look at the numbers. But I think there's a lot of people that go, eh, how good can they be? Pac-12, eh, SEC, Big Ten, just automatically better because they're in those conferences when Utah has consistently shoved, <laughs> as Brandon nods head, as Utah has consistently been better than a lot of those schools in those conferences because of their ability to show up in these big games, win tough games on the road in a couple hostile environments that they've done two years in a row overall, show up in big Pac-12 championship games. They've won a lot. This has been a top 15 program in college football as of recent memory, but I think a lot of people still go, eh, they lost to Florida last year. So for in some people's minds, they just they write that off. I just think this is the next step for Utah, and I think they definitely have the tools to do it because I am going to bring this one thing, go back around to this one point that you made earlier, Brandon. You were right on a lot of the things you said about Wisconsin's offense offense but if Graham Mertz was a good enough quarterback he would have been able to elevate that a little bit more too so I think there's a lot of questions and things we need to see out of him overall because he did miss open receivers and turn the ball over 10 times in back-to-back seasons it is really hard to be a successful passing attack when you're coming out of I-form in 2022 consistently every week with the weapons that they have in Wisconsin name a great Wisconsin receiver in the past few years Ooh, Jared Abraderis. Great for college, Cephas. I thought Cephas was Quintez really Cephas is a baller. Cephas was good. He's currently yeah. playing in the NFL for the Detroit Lions. Yes, before the majority of Grammar's career. <laughs> so, so that's that's where we can talk about that. Jake Ferguson is the best guy, and he's a tight end. That's true. Braylon right. Allen right now at running back oh, is a great guy. Mm-hmm. No great receivers, and I'm not saying it's nothing. And I I'm sticking by my analysis of Grammar because I don't think he's great. I think great quarterbacks elevate players around them. I think Graham Mertz can be a game manager, and that's all I need him to be. Again, I just need you to not screw it up, Graham. That's it. I don't. My expectations are low. They are very, very low here. I just need you to complete the slants. That's it. Complete slants, digs, get the screen to who it needs to get to, win the football game. Brandon is calling to mind two historically relevant quotes in my family's history. First of all, you are describing the moniker of our group chat as, as a family of four, my brother and my parents, uh, which is Aim Low and Achieve. That, is, that has long been the name of our, of our group chat. And the other one was when my brother was in Little League, he had a coach, Dennis Mahegan, who before he took the mound when he was 10 years old, used to tell him the same thing before he left. He talked to him, all this sort of stuff, and then as he's walking away, oh, and Mitchell, don't screw up. That's Brandon for 
uh, Graham Mertz, it seems. Aim low and achieve and don't screw up there. Yeah, uh, I, I, like add, I like to stick with saying I say all the time is to hope for the best, prepare for the worst. That's what I'm doing every single year. <laughs> that's, that's, fan the right, that's the right yeah. way to be a college, a college football fan. Finally, let's go semi-rapid fire here. I'll start with my game score prediction. I'm going to pull this one kind of out of left field. I've got Utah winning 26-17. to 17. Give me an ugly, mucky game just like that. Brandon, you may go first. 21-17 Florida. 21-17 Florida. JT? Utah 33, Florida 23. Ooh, he's got the win and the cover. Brandon likes the Gators. JT Wister still the host of Locked On Utes. Brandon Olson, the host of Locked On Florida Gators, Monday through Friday, both shows on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Gentlemen, that was fun. Thank you both so much, and enjoy the game tomorrow night on Thursday. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time, and until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.